Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Virgil Covington is a man for all seasons. Teacher, actor, radio host, former school principal, and a new Kentucky Chautauqua's a Kentucky Humanities Chautauqua performer, portraying William Wells Brown. Who, you ask? We'll talk with Virgil about his prominence in Kentucky history, not only Virgil's prominence in Kentucky history, but uh, William Wells Brown prominence. I don't prominence know about my prom- <laughs> prominence, but uh, William Wells Brown is, is really prominent, I feel. But before we get to William Wells Brown, uh, Virgil, tell me about yourself and this uh, varied uh, background that you have. And I have to tell uh, a little personal story here uh, in attending their very wonderful uh, grand night for singing uh, that uh, Everett McCorvey and his troupe have done for 25 years now in Lexington. Uh, great performance, great show uh, that he puts on every year. And uh, lo and behold, I had one of the best seats in the house. Uh, and by the way, that was just by happenstance. We just ordered tickets like uh, anybody did. And I look up and in one of the first numbers, there you were in the uh, in the dance ensemble and singing and dancing, and I had just seen you at in, in your Chautauqua performance uh, preview. Uh, that must have been a real thrill. It, it was. Um, I had never done uh, Grand Night for Singing. Um, back uh, about t- 2013, we did um, Big River uh, at Woodford Theater. That's where I've been acting lately. And... Uh, and Everett and uh, Alicia were there, and afterwards he said, come and join us for Grand Night for Singing. And so I kept on saying, well, okay, and then I didn't. And so this was the uh, third time, and so I went and uh, really had a lot of fun. It was it was more than I expected, uh, being uh, 63 years old, and I was the oldest male, and I'm trying to dance and do all this. I took myself out of some numbers because I knew I'd embarrass myself and embarrass them. Uh, they were recording it for KET, and I didn't want to mess that up. So uh, I didn't mess up too bad. Probably if you look real close, you can see that I'm not probably with everybody <laughs> in the same turns or same movements, but I uh, had a lot of fun, and I was just amazed at the talent. I was going to say. It was just, I, I, I have been going several years, but I thought this was the best one, not because I was in it, but just because of what, what we were able to create. I think he wanted it to really be special because it was the 25th one. And he wanted, you know, going to be recorded by KET. So he made sure that the soloists were top notch and the dancing with uh, Jeremy and Lindy that they choreographed was just, I mean, everything about it was excellent. So we got to tell the audience to yeah. make sure you watch oh, yeah. the production when it's actually put on KET. And come back next year and um, and, and see it live. Um, it, it's on, I think, two weekends uh, with four, four or five performances, maybe, something like Friday, that. Friday, Saturday, Did they do Sunday. a Sunday? Okay, so mm-hmm. there are more than, yeah. Well, you were you were terrific, and Thank you. Thank uh, you. and I thought the kids were amazing, and and that's just one aspect of your life. Uh, tell me a little bit more about you. Well, you know, um, 
back in the day <laughs> when I was a high school student, um, my junior year, we did Oliver, and I was Fagan, and Trish Clark uh, was, was Oliver. And so we did that, and a lot of fun, really enjoyed it. Thought that theater was one of those things I could do. And when I went to college at Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio, uh, it was a musical theater. It was um, theater that I was not used to. And so did something my freshman year, a Bullock play, the duplex, and just kind of said, this isn't me. And so I, I went away from it. You know, was an educator, uh, taught at Henry Clay, counselor at Leestown, principal, associate principal and principal at Winburn Middle School, retired in 2002, um, moved to Georgetown, sub there, principal at Providence Christian Academy, and doing that, uh, during my third year there, Trish called because she had been moved to Woodford as the interim director and said, Virgil, come over and try out for this role. This is how this works. I, I don't really go and try out. I get people say, come and, come and do this. And so uh, she asked me to do that. And uh, I was uh, driving Miss Daisy. I was Hulk, uh, Martha Campbell, Darius. Uh, I'm going to mess his name up, so I'm just going to say Darius. But three-person three cast, it was very well received. Went back the next year for Big River, skipped a year, I think, and did Kentucky Christmas with Dr. James Rogers. And, and then the last year did It's a Wonderful Life. And when we were practicing It's a Wonderful Life, he said, what about being a Chautauqua character? Uh, there's not a lot of African-Americans doing, doing characters and uh, you'd probably be really good. And so I, I said, well, you know, I don't usually seek things. And so he said, well, I'll make entrance for you, you know, introduction. And so he did. And so we have a friend, Paul Price, and he said, well, why don't you think about William Wells Brown? Didn't know anything about William Wells Brown. I, when I ask that question to audiences that I've tried this out before, they'll say, well, who, who, you know, I said, who is William Wells Brown? He said, well, he's, he, there's a school named after him. That's, that's the only thing they really know. And, uh, and so we just uh, started uh, working on that with Bo, Bo Liss. And then uh, Bo and I went in two different directions. And so Bo was writing a script, and I was trying to become him. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Rather than really embrace him. Let me read as much stuff mm -hmm. as I can read so that I could be able to answer a question on the fly about how he would answer the question. You know, so that, that's my goal with this character. And so, uh, so after 60, you know, when I turned 60, that's when I got back into acting. And that's why I'm a Chautauqua character. And that's why I was in Grand Night, and that's why I'm at Woodford Theater, and that, that's, that's kind of how so, that came about. So, uh, serendipity, uh, you just fall into these, uh, and so far, I would imagine you look at all of them as positive experiences and wonderful experiences in your life. Oh, they, they've been great. Um, you know, I would never have expected that I would be doing this type of 
really? these type of things. What did you want to do uh, in retirement? I, well, I didn't really know. I, I, I thought I'd stop working, but I built a house. And uh, <laughs> when you build a house, you kind of have to pay for the house. So, so I needed more money than just my retirement. So that's why I keep on working. Well, you just wait until you begin to perform as our sh- a Chautauqua actor, William Wells Brown, in front of kids and adults and audiences all over the state of Kentucky. Uh, I've seen your performance, and it's marvelous, and it's one of the best in our stable of of 35 uh, competent, professional uh, Chautauqua actors. Thank you, um, Bill. And uh, this is, I'm so excited uh, to put you and, and the other new actors uh, out on the road. So um, for people who don't know William Wells Brown, and, and you did not know of him, is that correct? And I have to tell you, um, uh, Virgil, that uh, I didn't know him either until, and this has been many, many years ago, on the book club at KET that we did for uh, years. Uh, those are still in reruns on KET. Uh, we read uh, William Wells Brown Clotel. And uh, that's when I first uh, learned of him and his great significance in all of African-American history in this, in this world. Right, right. So tell us about him. Well, you know, William Wells Brown, the reason he's a Chautauqua character is because he was born in Kentucky. Now, uh, he says he was in his biography, or his narrative as, as he calls it back then, when he wrote it, he said, I was born in Lexington, Kentucky. Well, historians have found now, based on where his master actually lived, that he was born in the Mount Sterling area. He was born there, lived there until he was around two or three, because dates of slaves, how they kind of put it together, planting season, you know. In what period of, um, 18, uh, are we talking about? 1814. And he was born there. Then they moved to Missouri, and outside, about forty miles outside of St. Louis, um, when he was age six, uh, his master's nephew came to live with them, and he actually was renamed San Sanford or Sandy because the nephew had a had the name of William, and so. There couldn't be two Williams in the household. And, and William Wells Brown's father was the cousin of his master, Dr. Mm-hmm. Young, and, and the cousin was named George Higgins. And his mother had him along with seven other kids, six other kids, and they all had different fathers. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so here he's raised on this farm, but when he became six years old, there needed to be a mentor for the the younger William, and so they had a contest to determine who was going to be in the house with the regular, with the other William, and so he won the contest, jumping, singing, flipping, dancing, those type of things. Even talks about how they had this one-piece outfit, and they're doing, you know, standing on their hands or on their head, and you can just see everything because yeah. the the mm-hmm. the one piece outfit just goes all the way down to mm-hmm. the ground. Mm-hmm. And so he gets that, and so he becomes a house servant at that time. His mother still is a field servant. Kind of talk about one of the times when she was swept. 
I tr in, in this presentation, I try to really come out about chattel slavery. What is chattel slavery? And, uh, and what is that? that, that that's that we were treated. I'm an African-American, just those of you who can't see me. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, we were treated as livestock. So how you would treat a cow, how you would tr treat a horse. Uh, we were whipped. We were beat. We, we were not treated as humans. So William Wells Brown wasn't treated as a man. He was treated as property. And so he moves to the big house. Mom's real excited, but you know that brings some other, some other uh, feelings from other slaves and from other people in terms of knowing your position and that type of thing. And so he stays there, and then they move to the St. Louis area. And when they move to the St. Louis area, uh, his master needs more money. And so he starts hiring him out. And so they would hire him out to, to a guy who ran a hotel, or hire him out to, to working on the, on the boats that went up and down the, the rivers, the Missouri and the Mississippi River. And, and he saw what freedom was like. He, he got hired at a, at a printing office, not to learn how to read and write, but he was the, the maintenance guy, the boy who ran errands or whatever. So, so he did all that, and, and during the time that he was working on the ships, he would be going from port to port and seeing all these people be free and what it was like to be free and to travel and, and all that. And one of the, the most things that, uh, one of the things that really tore at him was he, he worked for a soul driver. And I talk about that in the presentation. A soul driver is one who was a slave speculator going from farm to farm purchasing slaves that he would take to market in New Orleans or Natchez and try and make more money on them. And it was William's job to prepare them for market, to, uh, if they had a lot of gray hairs, to pluck out the hairs or, you know, or, or blacken the hair, because the younger the slave was, the more money they could make. And they would actually tell the slaves how old they were, you know, how many, how many uh, years they had worked, how, they would come up with a story for the slaves so that when they were taken into the slave pens and, the, and, the, and the, those who were interested in purchasing slaves would ask them questions, they would answer in that, that way mm -hmm. so that the, the slave speculator or the soul driver could get more money. Mm. And so, uh, so that really tore at him. Was he... Did he begin his education at that time in his life? No. You know, that, that, that's the thing. William was always treated, as long as he was a slave, he was always treated as being less than a human, less than a man. And so then, therefore, he wasn't treated as an equal. So there was no opportunity for him to learn how to, uh, how to read and write. So did all those, was finally sold to a guy, uh, Enoch Price, who had a ship and asked him, Can, we're going to go up north. What do you feel about going up north? Oh, I, you know, William, I don't want to go up north. I don't want to be around those. Those people don't know how to treat, how to treat colored people, how to treat slaves. And so they went up north to Cincinnati. And when he arrived in Cincinnati, on January the 1st, 1834, 
he walked away and became a free man. And, and after that, um, finally getting in, up to Cleveland, Ohio, he worked at a hotel and earned some money, and the first thing he bought was a spelling book. Hmm. That, that's when he actually started learning how to read and write, and he taught himself. One of the stories he gives is uh, his, his, he would go to the owner's kids and say, I've got this piece of hard candy, and if you tell me what this letter is, I'll let you lick it. Mm. And the kid would tell him, and he'd let him lick, and then, and that's supposedly how he learned his ABCs. Mm -hmm. And how to write William, he'd written, scribbled something on, on post planks, and he asked this kid, he said, is that how you spell my name? And he go, no, that's not, and he wrote it. Mm -hmm. And that's how he learned how to, how to write his name. But it, it's, it's just amazing when you read Clotel, yeah. and you said you read, mm -hmm. when you look at this man who escaped at 1834, Clotel was written around 1853, I believe it was. But before that, he wrote his narrative in 1847. But if you read it, you'll say, how in the world did this man learn how to write like this? And then when you read Clotel, I mean, he gives this argument about how religious people should treat slavery, which I think is one of the best arguments I've ever read in terms of that, because what the slave owners would do would have the, the preacher come and say, you are supposed to be obedient. And when you're disobedient, you're supposed to be beat, because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you're supposed to be submissive. You're supposed to know your place. So the preachers were saying that, but in Clotel, this daughter says, no, Father, that's not the way it is. We're supposed to have the light of Jesus and goes through all of this. But it's just an excellent presentation of how we were supposed mm -hmm. to treat people. Mm -hmm. But it, it's just amazing to think that this man, during the first 20 years of his life, no formal education, wrote Clotel, the president's daughter, wrote his narrative, um, he embellished a whole lot because he wanted to show that slavery and how African Americans were treated. Now, they wouldn't have used that term then. Mm -hmm. I've, and I try not to use that in my presentation, mm -hmm. Bill. <laughs> but, but because, I, because it's period, uh, period. accurate. Mm -hmm. 18, I'm, I'm talking from 1872. And, and the whole thing was he was trying to show the, that that people should be treated with respect. And it didn't make any difference if we were black or white, we were still human. We, we were not chattel. We were not property. And what he did with Clotel, because he lends imagination that Thomas Jefferson had children with his slaves, which we know is true now, based on DNA, and you, there's a, even a television commercial, Ancestry of, of Thomas Jefferson. Well, here he wrote about that and how those slave children were treated. Because he would see masters actually having sex. I'm not saying the actual act, but he would see them um, procreating mm -hmm. with their slaves and creating other slaves. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, was, it was like, uh, okay, I've got this missus, but I've got this slave woman, and I'm having sex with this slave woman. I have a child by her. 
I don't have to purchase that slave. And then, you know, when I'm through with that, I can just sell them. I can sell the mother over here. I can sell these kids over here. And they were their own kids because mm -hmm. it, was, it was livestock. It was, it was property. It was chattel. Virgil uh, Covington is uh, portraying William Wells Brown, uh, our Kentucky Humanities uh, Chautauqua actor, who will be performing and beginning his, uh, his reign uh, as uh, William Wells Brown uh, this uh, fall, uh, beginning in, in August, uh, uh, all across the state of Kentucky. Uh, Virgil, what do you want audiences to come away with uh, after your performance? Number one, I, I think I want them, number one, to know William Wells Brown, to, to, to understand who this man was, that why a school would be named after him. You know, it, it wasn't that the school came first and then the man, but the man came first and then the school came. Why, why, why was it important in Lexington, Kentucky to create a school or to name a school after him. I think that's the number one thing. Number two, I, I really want to have an understanding of, of what this word chattel means, that, that we were less than human, less than a person. Um, and, and, and when you go through history to see that, that at that time, and some would even say today, that African Americans are created as inferior you know, the, uh, I got into the Dred Scott decision in my research, and, and just to see that the Supreme Court said that we could never be equal we, because we were bought here as slaves, and because we were bought here as slaves, and therefore we were inferior, and because we were inferior, we could never be citizens of the United States. I mean, that to me... You know, to know that type of history. And I, I guess, you know, I'm 63. I never saw it that way until I got into the study. Why did you of, not see it? At, uh, well, uh, I saw uh, it as like, slavery. You know, I mean, we, we tend to talk about slavery and, and the fact that we were, you know, that these people were mistreated. These people worked for uh, these plantations. It was long hours, though, that type of thing. But But I never... I really never understood the the chattel slavery, mm -hmm. you know what picture that paints. Um, I, I just didn't, I, I, and maybe I wasn't paying attention in the classroom. Maybe, but but I I just I just didn't have that understanding. One of the um, one of the aspects of uh, our Chautauqua Actor Program is that uh, after your performance, you are uh, inviting the audience to ask you questions and to uh, to, car to uh, a dialogue with you about uh, your performance. So uh, I'm sure you hope that these questions will come up and, and then in your, in your own uh, language, uh, not uh, acting, but uh, talking with the audience, you hope to discuss these issues. Well, I do, but you know, now, Bill, one of the things I really want to do is do it from his perspective. I, I want you to ask me questions. What, what I was trying to do in the review, when we were doing the review, was I wanted them to ask me questions as William Wells Brown. I, I want to be so, you know, so understanding of him and have him so ingrained into myself that when you ask a question, I can answer it as William Wells Brown. Yeah. 
Yeah. Virgil Covington, uh, you do a, a great performance. Uh, audiences are going to love uh, having you in their presence, and uh, we're so proud to have you uh, at Kentucky Humanities uh, as a Chautauqua actor. Thank you for your kind words, Bill. Appreciate it. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thank you.